podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chet. What's up? <laughs> I'm good. I, I'm. Uh, I've had a busy day, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna podcast. It's hot as hell here, so I've got the AC on in case uh, it's, you hear a little noise in the background. I apologize, but I can't deal with this heat. Yeah, well, it's it was quite hot here. It's actually it has not rained in like three weeks, and then today it decided to rain. Oh, you're and it, lucky. And it rained for about eight minutes. Ah, it was amazing. I would for take all that. Eight, eight minutes of it. Yeah. No, it's been up in the hundreds here too. 102, 103. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. At least it's real hot. And no humidity, you know. So yeah. it's like 2%, 2% humidity or something. It's crazy dry. Yeah, we had 26% today and it was 103 at the, the worst point. Now it's cooling down, but that's beside the point. Is Indeed. It, uh, yeah, today we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do our part two of the dark art marketing podcast. Dark art marketing, <laughs> <laughs> which really isn't a dark art marketing; it's just art marketing. But it's a dark art podcast, dark art society podcast. So we just call it dark art. Marketing. I hoped you'd say that. I was really hoping you would provide that caveat because you did it last time, and <laughs> I know we, I did. Talk, we, we did not talk about it in advance. And then, so this time, I did not even mention it, and I was hoping you would say it again because it's just it's so you. I did it. You did. Oops, I did it again. Oh shit! He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> oh yes, he did. I I got that because I, that was I was watching uh, The Sopranos and. There was an episode where somebody said that. So that's why it's in my mind. I do not listen to stuff like that. <laughs> Chet's, Chet's on a Sopranos kick. And I, I think am. that a big, a big part of it is because of that little clip you sent me from Martin Scorsese where he was talking about to whatever degree that these characters all being kind of like representations of the ego. Right. You know, like go out of control, you know. So yeah. now you're like on this like gangster's our representational of ego out of control kick. So now you're on the Sopranos after watching what the Goodfellas yeah. and what else? What else? Casino. Well, it all started because on iTunes there was a a set where you can buy um, like a group of movies for cheaper to own. And I saw mm-hmm. there was one with Goodfellas and Casino, and I love those movies. They're great. And so I bought that and I watched them both that day while I was painting, and then. Then I was like, "Oh, I gotta watch The Sopranos again." <laughs> so, well, and I told him you should watch Donnie Brasco because I yeah, think that, I almost you know, watched it, that. It's right up in there with it with Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. It's it's a great gangster film, you know, a yeah. little more like cop side of it, I guess, but still pretty awesome. Yeah, I didn't watch it because it was a rental. I had to rent it, and The Sopranos was free because I got HBO now. So I was like, I'm gonna watch the free one and see if I get get into this. And now I haven't been able to watch anything else, and I'm into season four, so it'll take me another couple of days. Well, Chet and I had an amazing, an amazing time out because I came out to visit Chet in L.A. and we went out and visited the dystopian world of the Salton Sea. And actually, Chet, uh, one of my friends recently mentioned to me that we should have gone to Slab City while we were out there, speaking hmm. of dystopian worlds, because evidently Slab City is something to behold in regards to huh. dystopian world. I've never even but heard we, of it. We, we had a Salton Sea trip. We had a, we had a variety of levels of trips. 
and uh, we both had some ego revelations and dissolutions and I think ultimately we both came back refreshed and watching a bunch of movies through a whole new filter like I was watching <laughs> Fight Club and even though I knew that Fight Club was like I, I love Fight Club it's right up there in my top five you know yeah, it's a classic but, the thing is, is that even though I, I always recognize, you know, the multi, of course, that, you know, a spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. OK, if you haven't seen Fight Club, then don't listen to this next part. But if you have seen Fight Club, then you recognize that obviously it's talking about, you know, this these multiple personalities this guy has him trying to deal with this crisis he's dealing with. And this Marla and this Tyler character who are actually, you know, him, basically these layers of him. And when you're looking at it through like the ego filter, it's really fascinating. It's it's even it's fun watch it again think about it through the ego filter it's pretty cool <laughs> and if you don't know what i'm talking about when i say the ego filter listen to our ego death episode because we talk all about it as well as chet's uh, show which was is also worth noting and talking about so but t- again today we're talking about dark art marketing and this is going to be kind of the advanced layer i guess because we had a lot of people say we really enjoyed the other one but it was kind of for beginners and there are people out there that would like to hear a little bit more you know some of the niches and nuances details and idiosyncrasies a little bit a little bit more detailed than just the kind of overall perspective i suppose yeah and one thing as soon as we finished the last one the one thing i forgot to mention was watermarking so i want to start out with that because that okay. is just okay. a basic general uh thing that should be covered and i didn't talk about it right do you remember you that I, okay no. yeah i remember you that was that. the thing that i forgot okay um yeah, yeah. Well, it was one of- right right um i don't remember the other ones but they will come to me but dogs um dogs are like i was out there and they, they <laughs> seriously they just like they are very like this is our territory and we will bark at you if you come near it anybody that walks by they, yeah but they're really sweet dogs yes they are, but Dottie's over here, the Great Dane now. Um, so she's barking. We, we get here like half half the week. It's like shared custody. Fritz Fritz and his fiance they uh, uh, share share. They own a dog together, but they don't live together. So anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get back to watermarking. Um, so the, uh, you should always until you know you should always do this. I don't always do it because a lot of my um, Instagram photos are on the fly, and uh, so I don't have a chance to watermark them, but I feel like I have enough of a, a look to where people recognize my stuff that I can kind of get away with it, but I should be doing it. And, and you'll see in some of, you know, a few months back, I actually painted my website on the bottom of my easel so that I, when I took pictures, it would be like an instant watermark. You know, it that had was a great idea. Did yeah. You, did you co-op that from Josh Geyser or was it was that part of the stuff, the intel that he provided? Or was that your own thing? That was my own thing, I think. I that's think. a great idea, man. Oh, I thank saw you. it and I was like, oh, that's genius. You know, <laughs> It's a great idea. It's in the ass with Photoshop <laughs> and stuff. You know? It's a great idea, but I've painted over it. Since I've painted, it's like paint gets all over the easel. So I have to repaint it now. So I really should do that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do, do that. Sharpie next time. I'm going to do that. Easier. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that my Sharpie. Okay. All right. Well, it's black though now, so I'm gonna. I was. I, I had to do so white. Use paint. a silver sharpie. You have a silver yeah, sharpie. And okay. Black sharpie. And work it out. Good idea. <laughs> silver sharpie. I'm gonna do it. All right. So, um, and then watermarking. You, I'm sure everybody knows watermarking. It's basically just has your name somewhere, um, on the image, your website, just some way to identify that you did this work because I. Sure. I, I've seen people, um, post something because the thing is you don't know what's going to be a, a huge hit. 
what, what painting's going to resonate with people. And if you don't have a watermark on one of your hits, it's a real tragedy and a real missed opportunity. And I've seen artists have this happen to where they posted something that was just, you know, one of the things they do and it blows up and gets like thousands of shares, but there's no watermark on it. Sure. Know? Sure. So, um, it's just a good rule of thumb to always have a watermark. So just people know, uh, know who did the artwork. Some people put it right across the center, which uh, I'm not into that because it just it, it totally ruins to me. It ruins the image. I understand it because it's a way of, you know, people not pirating your image. But honestly, here's the thing, though. It, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Anybody that wants to pirate your image is going to, you know, you can find you can do Photoshop and and get rid of a watermark. You know what I'm saying? If you really wanted to take the time, and it's not such a rampant problem. I I don't think that. You have to worry about it to where you have to put it huge across the middle, you know. I put yeah. mine across the bottom. Sometimes I overlap a little bit to make it a little difficult sometimes. But generally, as long as the uh, some kind of identifying factors on there, somewhere on there that's legible, that's what I go with. But what were you going to say? Oh, no, you, you covered it. It's cool. I was just I was going to interrupt you, and then I realized that you know that you were going to just say what I was thinking. So. <laughs> cool. <So. laughs> we do that at times. No, the watermark thing is a really good idea, and I've adopted it on some level. I mean, like I do a lot of photography, obviously, and I do photo manipulation, and I don't watermark everything again because it does take time. I mean, you do have to take the time to take the image and then put whatever on there, you know. Um, and, but it is a good idea. I mean, if there's a way you could find to do it ubiquitously, like you do, you know, putting it on your easel or something, does make it a lot easier so however a person can right. co-opt it you know really is the best way and i i found way like on my uh, phone i have whatever app and you can do text on there so right, you can right. make a little miniature thing and put it in the lower right hand corner yeah. or if you have photoshop you can do it on your computer so it's it's not too hard it's relatively easy it's a good idea because again i would say don't focus so much on the fear again. And I think that'll be a recurring theme here throughout this podcast because we're going to talk a little bit about ego. Don't focus so much on the fear of someone stealing your shit. Focus on the missed opportunity of people knowing that it is your shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, is that you do something really cool. It's a, it's a work in progress for uh, people out there that don't know. That's a whip, W-I-P. <laughs> and uh, the thing about that is, is that if you don't watermark it and for some reason it's really cool and people really like it, like Chet said, and a thousand people see it, if there's no identifying marker on there because people are just sharing it right. then you know you've missed out on an opportunity so i would say again fear less but open more you know there's this opportunity that you don't want to miss where you could have you know this reach that it you could wouldn't be, get otherwise it could be you know a hundred thousand shares that's the thing yeah, you, never you, know. you never know well, and if you if you get a hundred thousand shares you want your name on that damn thing because it doesn't matter if they see it if they don't know who painted it Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a valid point. It yeah. really is. So it's very important. Very important. Um, I, I also was, th oh, oh, I'm sorry. On. Can I interrupt real yeah, quick? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. On a Macintosh, just for, I, I don't use PCs anymore. I, I've been in the Mac world for a long time. I'm a filmmaker, obviously with the documentary about Chet and all that. So I, I typically move towards Mac because they're better for that and, and also for publishing. But I guess the point that I'm making is if you do use a Macintosh option, G on your keyboard, option G. If you do option G simultaneously, you will get a copyright symbol and it's oh, a little C with a circle around it. Yeah, it's great. So like if you're using anything, if you're using, you know, a, a text 
text edit or if you're using Photoshop or if you're even on Facebook, you can do it on Facebook too. Um, Yeah. So option G is a great way to be able to throw that copyright symbol on there. And you can say all rights reserved copyright throw the year and then put your name on there or put your company on there or put whatever, some kind of a moniker. But that's just a really clean and fast and easy way in most interfaces because it's relatively consistent when you're using a Macintosh to be able to actually copyright something. And the funny thing about copyright is, guys, and I've done a lot of research into this because I have a variety of games in various stages of development, and I've had utility patents at time, and I've, I've owned a variety of patents. But if you put a copyright symbol on something, you have copywritten it insofar as it is engaged in some kind of uh, dialogue or discourse with an outside source, which is why back in the day they used to say to you, send yourself your script, right? Write it and then ship it and postmark it to yourself. That's a copyright, basically. It exists yeah. in time at a place. Okay, well, guess what Facebook is? <laughs> yeah, right. It. It's all at a time and a place. It's See, all benchmarked. I, I've heard that uh, that um, copyright is automatic, and the copyright symbol, and I don't know if this is true, but copyright, as soon as you create something, you own the copyright, and all, and all the, the hoops you have to jump through to copyright it are just to prove that you... Absolutely. You're you're right. You're absolutely correct. Like, for instance, I I have a game that is yet to be released. It's called Sixes, like the number sixes, plural. And that game, I got a utility patent on it. The reason that I did it was because – and there's a variety of different kinds of patents. And the reason that I chose that kind of patent was basically because it allowed me to dignify that it exists and that I made it and it's my idea – But it doesn't go so far as to actually cross-check it against other ideas that are out there. And the reason for that is because if you're selling an idea, for instance, a game, you want the person that buys it from you to be able to change it in the ways in which they would like to change it to make it the best for them within Mm -hmm. their company, right? And so you want to leave it open enough that they can still change it, but you also want to be able to pin down that this idea as it stands is yours, right, right? right? It's your intellectual property, right? And so I did that because I was putting that game in the market openly. And I knew that if I was putting something out there that's an idea that no one else has ever thought of, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. then someone could just take the idea and spin it with some different branding and graphics and make it into their own idea, right? right. Especially if you're pitching into a company and they could be like, oh, yeah. well, that's a great yeah. idea. I'm going to take that. So again, that utility patent, which only cost me, I think like $226 for 12 months was totally worth it. Yeah. You know, So there are reasons at times to do that. But when it comes to like what we're doing, where we're visual artists, for instance, we're posting a lot of stuff with regularity. Like Chet said, it's not necessary to go. And, and you are right. It is your intellectual property, right? And you don't need to dignify that aside to say that it exists at a time and a place. Because if you ever came to the point, and this is the only reason to even do any of this, is where litigation was involved. Whether you were being litigated against or you were litigating against someone else, you would want some kind of documentation to legitimize your cause, your point, you know, where you're coming from. And I will add the caveat that anything like this should be run through a lawyer. Don't take our word for anything. Sure, sure. Serious stuff. Serious lawyer junk. Indeed. Those are that's our, our limited knowledge, right? These there. are layman's experiences layman's. With, with things. You know, uh, and it, again it's but that's the thing is that it's like 
having layman's knowledge just gives you that edge, you know, because it's like I went to college and I got a degree and I paid all this money, but it's for the little things. Like, for instance, to go to a course and have someone tell you, okay, if you're going to make a film and you're going to interview people, you need to make sure that you have some kind of a release form, right? Mm -hmm. So that then later, if they change their mind about being in your film, it's too late for them and you've got the, you know, that documentation. That's something that you can't really put money on. You know, I could have learned that on the street. I could have learned that from a colleague. I could have learned that from anybody. Right. right. But I learned I learned it from a professor at college because they were teaching me those specific skill sets. And that's not something you can really put a value on because it's been indefinitely helpful to me in my career because mm. I have files. You know what I mean? And if anybody ever has some kind of a qualm, it's like, okay, well, no problem. Check out the evidence. Here's your signature. Right. You know. Uh, I uh, One thing – a big point I want to make too about marketing um, and I don't – think we said this on the last one either but one size does not fit all that's the weird thing and and i don't know if this is true about other businesses and it may very well be but i don't know any other business except for um um the art business and i guess the movie business which is a whole different thing really but um when it comes to how you market yourself and what works for you as an artist it's totally dependent on your individual fan base the kind of artist you are you don't know one thing that works for you know gabe leonard does not work for me and vice versa it's like you have to really uh focus in on find out who you're your who you're marketing to who your fan base is you know uh i remember gabe telling me because i i gabe kind of started the whole gabe leonard the great artist he started he's a friend of mine uh he started doing the gclay canvas gclay prints you know and and um he was the one that got me started doing Giclee's canvas prints. And I remember asking him years ago, like what, how about cheap open editions? Like, you know, inexpensive $20 prints or whatever, just open, no open edition means, you know, not limited. It's you print as many as you want and you just sign them. Um, and he was saying, yeah, those didn't work that well for me. He's doing really well with canvas Giclee's. So I just was like, yeah, okay, I'm not even going to try that. And then years later, just on a whim, I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just try and do some open edition, inexpensive prints, and mm-hmm. and I, po- I posted them, sold a ton, and I sell a lot all, all mm-hmm. the time now, and it's because it's for my for my uh, uh, base that I'm marketing to, my fans, that is works well for them. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, Gabe maybe is marketing to uh, you know higher income folks or something, so they would rather have a canvas print. So it, it, you know, it's it it really. Uh, makes a lot of sense to spend time analyzing like who buys my work what kind mm-hmm. of person what age are they mm-hmm. you know not so you could necessarily change what you're creating but more to, to market to them to make it easier for them to purchase and have sure. your, possess your work you know and, and be mm-hmm. part of be part of the the thing that you're doing you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying well, and I think that even fits in with the marketing aspect that you've utilized within you know i would say with the past two to three years with your study sales because you recognize that there are people within your market that they can't afford these $6,000 paintings, these Mm -hmm. $10,000 paintings, but they would like to have something that's cool, that's original, that is, you know, painting, that's not just a sketch. And so you saw that there was a need and you also saw that you already produced that kind of work because that's part of your process, part of your artistic process is that you're going to produce a study. So if there's a have and a need and they align, why would you not produce? pursue that. And you're also then 
helping these new collectors out to be able because those people, you know, they're starting out, but they're going to get to a point where they make more money and they can afford larger paintings, you know, right. and they're stoked that they have these smaller pieces as they build their way up to being larger collectors. So again, you were able to recognize within the market that exists by statistical analysis, ultimately, whether, I mean, you know, you don't have to sit down and try to do the math. The bottom right. line is, is that if you go on Instagram or if you go on Facebook or any of these places where you have a page, if you're the admin on a page, they're going to give you statistical output. And all you have to do is look at it and you'll get a pretty quick idea over a period of time, who's interested in you, where they're from, what age they are, what sex they are. Mm -hmm. And really, generally, then you can go and look at them and really get a feel for what is their market range and how can you cater to them? Because right, you're yeah. not looking to be elitist. You're looking to expand your market on all levels. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And, you know, and the, and the way I've never u utilized the... Um, the marketing and analysis in that way, although I, I, I've seen it, but you know me, I'm not like a numbers person at all. You've so. utilized it through me right. because you, uh, <laughs> right. I do it and right, then right. I give you the layman's version of it. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, I've seen the, the graphs and stuff and it's like, okay, I, I've seen it. I'm, I'm aware of it. But the, the way that actually I was doing it was more suited to the kind of person I am. And that was just by trial and error, offering different different things uh, for sale. And if, you know, I've put stuff up that doesn't sell at all. I've, I've had a print up that didn't sell like a limited edition that not one sold. So I just took wow. it down after a couple of years. This is early on, you know, usually I would sell at least a few of something. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's funny because it's a, it's a, um, an interloper. I don't even think you've ever seen it. Maybe it's, it's one of the first interlopers and it's digital. And it's base. Oh. It's basically the the one with the guy. Um, man, I forgot the name of it already. The one with the the interloper sitting in front of the TV screen that I did for the for the dystopia show. Oh, really? The yeah, original it, of that? Yeah, it was a black and white, a little bit different composition. And in that monitor, he's looking at the back of his head. And in that monitor, he's looking at the back of his head. And it kind of goes uh, okay. on and on. Okay. So it was when I I didn't even know there were interlopers at that point. Man, really. what's creepy <laughs> about you saying that? And I won't say anything because we don't want to give anything away to the the grand audience of dystopia. But dude, that's scary right there. That that fits in so much to our discovery here recently with what the interlopers really are within that construct. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't even yeah, think of it. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Think about that for a second. <laughs> <That's> creepy. <laughs> it's like so, the perfect metaphor for it. Right? Everybody's okay. hating us right yeah. now. They're like you motherfuckers. I will be revealed eventually don't worry don't worry Indeed. um so yeah so uh, you know i encourage a lot of experimenting as far as products and stuff and it's a trial and error thing and and you know something we talked about a little bit you mentioned before is failures you know it's don't don't be afraid to fail it's like i've failed so many times i've failed in this art career you know i had that that ouija board show i did it was a great show but financially a total bomb like nobody bought anything from that show uh wow. I, i've had prints and products that didn't sell very well and it's that's how you learn that's how you know mm -hmm. what sells is by offering that's how you know your price points because you offer them and then you know you if uh, you see some that are that do well and you know that's a good price point you see other ones that don't and you know the mm -hmm. artwork is good so maybe it's the price or whatever that anyway that's the way i did my analysis was just trial and error trial and error yeah, yeah yeah but, but you're a very experiential person in that way you know yeah, and there's that's a what lot I'm of saying. it's suited yeah, to, yeah. to the kind of person i am whereas sure. you know analysis is 
you know, I think it's great that the the, uh, the web analysis and the the, the stats that you can get it's on there. free. I mean, fuck, if they're going to yeah. give it to you for free, it's insane. You know, I mean, it, never in a time have we ever existed where this is an opportunity. And to dovetail off what you were saying, I think it's important to remember not to be afraid to offer things because you have nothing to lose by offering something. Here's the thing. If you don't offer it, you're definitely not going to sell it. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, it, I mean, it's so basic. I call it hard realism, folks, hard realism. If you don't offer it, you will not sell it. <laughs> okay. If you offer it, you might sell mm-hmm. it. If you still don't, well, at least you almost had a chance to. But here's yeah, the thing. And, and, and if you do even sell one, it's one more than what you would have sold had you not offered it. So you really, there's no way to talk yourself out of doing it. Yeah. And, and there's, uh, you, you know, you, you learn from your failures in a big way, you know, you know, that you know, I'm not going to do that again, or I'm going to tweak yep. this. And it's, yep. you know, it's art, the, the, you know, a, a fine art career, it's a long-term goal. It takes a lot of time, which is the thing that nobody wants to hear, but it just, you know, the vast majority of working artists, you have to spend years and years doing this, you know, it's just, that's yep. just the way it is. And, um, well, you got to try and you got to experiment and you got to have fun while you're doing it. I mean, that's the thing to not lose sight of is the whole thing should be fun. You should be enjoying yourself. If you're not, then go and do some other thing that you enjoy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's going to be scary and you are going to fail. I mean, should I keep my rejection letters? Like I'm all about keeping rejection. I've been rejected so many times from so many magazines and so many, <laughs> you know, like anthology books and shit. Oh, yeah, I keep all that stuff. And the thing is, is that then you can look back because it's like now here I am. I'm writing for Tattoo Master Magazine. It's a trade magazine, super cool, UK, you know, sister magazine, Skin Deep. And I never would have thought of that. And I look back to 2009, right? And I'm like, wow, 2009 really wasn't that long ago. And I was getting rejection letters because of making just dumb shit errors. Like one of the best ones was this. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like Health and Spirituality Magazine or something. (laughs) And I would like wrote this article and I was like, I'm going to send it to him. You know, I'm going to submit it. So I, you know, I sent it off to them and they come back and they're like, oh, we love your writing. It's a really great article. And they were like, but you know, the name of our magazine is actually Spirituality and Health Magazine, not Health and Spirituality Magazine. <laughs> so maybe you need to check who you're sending your emails to before you send them. You just lost an opportunity because you didn't know the name of our magazine. Yeah, right. Because it's like, that's like you said, you learn from that shit. You're like, okay, forest for the trees. I was so focused on writing a good article, which indeed they thought it was a good article that I didn't even get the name of the magazine right that i was sending the fucking article to <laughs> you know really and and so it's again you learn from that and you don't make those mistakes again you know so those are those things are to be cherished yeah yeah i mean there's there's really nothing you can do wrong really i mean except not trying you know not trying things oh. you know that's that's the big killer and also you know letting yourself get uh you know uh uh you you got to be able to take take those punches and come back up. That's another thing we were discussing. Is is uh, you got to build, have a thick skin, and not get insulted. You know, because it's a lot of times if something doesn't sell, that doesn't mean you're a terrible artist and you suck. You know, it means that you're not probably not marketing pr- properly. But but it could be any number of things. It could be it could be that your work's not up to snuff. That's possible, and you need to be able to. You know, set your own ego aside, your own personal feelings about that, and look at it honestly. And okay, do I need to up my game? 
You know, you can, there's ways of finding that out. You can check with other artists. You can, you know, be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, it might be that you're, you're not marketing to the right audience. Yeah, it might I was going to say maybe you're marketing to tattoo people, but you belong in the fantasy genre. Right. There's more fantasy people that would be interested than dark surrealism people. Who the fuck knows? Right, right. And you're not, or you're, you know, you're, um, you're not. Um, uh, your prices aren't right. That could be another thing. You know, there's all these different factors, and so you really have to uh, really think about what you're, what you're doing. You know, you have to think, I feel anyway, my, my experience is you have to analyze, you have to, uh, get over yourself and don't take anything <laughs> personally, you know, as much as it hurts our feelings. Cause we're sensitive artists. You still, it's like, nobody gives a shit, you know, it's like, <laughs> ser- seriously, it's like, this is, this is a business. And you know, the people that, that succeed in business are the ones that are like, all right, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to bust my ass, you know, seven days a week, blah, 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 whatever it takes because they're, and they're not hung up on, you know, they don't like me or I'm not good enough or whatever. If you're not good enough, then get good enough. You know, better, (laughs) get better. That's, you know, that's what I did. That's, that's what everybody does. Nobody's good enough when they start out. Everybody has something to learn. I learn things all the time still all the time. And, um, you know, my dad, I probably mentioned this in the last podcast, but, but my dad was saying that he didn't feel like he really knew what he was doing until he was in his fifties. And he had a career, you know, since his twenties, I think he was he started doing fine arts. So, you know, it's a long term thing. And, you know, if you're not willing to spend a lot of years, then you probably shouldn't do it. If you're not willing to put in the hard work, you probably shouldn't do it. Cause but the thing, the thing is, and I know it sounds like I'm being a hard ass, but here's the thing. If you do your marketing properly, if your work is good enough and you uh, – basically, if your work's good enough and you're marketing yourself prop- properly, you will make, be able to make a living. You know, yep. it's, it's as simple well, you know, as that. Also, I'd, like to, I'd like to add one thing to that, and, and this isn't a prerequisite because I've seen lots of people make it under what just – Chet just said, but I think there's kind of a magical ingredient that I think is really important. And that is that you should nurture and foster the growth of the belief in yourself. You know, it's a, it's a huge thing believing in yourself, you know? And the thing is, is that you do learn to believe in yourself as we already enumerated earlier by failing and then picking yourself mm-hmm. up and rallying your energy and and continuing on and eventually succeeding if even if in only minor ways but the point is is that you know a, a key ingredient i think a lot of the time and again i don't say all the time because i have seen people that don't believe in themselves i've seen incredibly insecure people become incredibly successful so it happens and, mm-hmm. I, and i won't rule that out if you want to be insecure and successful sure there's a quotient to people that achieve that but i i would i would venture to say it's like 0.001% <laughs> you know? so good luck but <laughs> if not then what i would say is is foster that belief in yourself the thing is is that we learned to be the way we are by talking to ourselves. And the way we learned to talk to ourselves was by parroting the things that we heard other people that were older than us that know about the world saying and doing, right? So there's probably a lot of little toxic dramas that we play out in ourselves, these little talks that we do. The thing is, is that if you say something to yourself over and over and over, and this is, you know, again, to kind of take it to the Eastern direction, the, the Buddhists would call it a mantra, but to say something to yourself that creates and perpetuates 
the inevitability of that outcome is very powerful. Even if you don't believe it, you could say something to yourself and not believe it. But if you say it enough times, it actually overshadows what it is that you were previously saying to yourself. So again, I think that believing in yourself and believing in whatever part of you you know exists that is incredible and beautiful and talented and wondrous – to believe in that and to foster that belief and to to water those plants, those positive plants and not water the weeds and the doubts and the fears right. will also really – it greatly enhance not only your potential as an artistic person but also your potential of enjoying your life. And that's really what it's all about. Right. Why do you well, want a bunch of money? So you can enjoy your life more. I mean right. that's really why people right. want a lot of money. <laughs> I, you know, I'll add to that and say uh, – I'll, 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 I'll play a devil's advocate and kind of take the other side of that. And say, um, give yourself something to believe in, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. if you're going to play the game of, I don't need any, I don't need to get better. I'm already good enough. Just people don't like my stuff. And then, <laughs> and, and no, you know, deep inside, you're bullshitting yourself. It's going to be mm -hmm. hard to believe in yourself when you know you're not being honest with yourself. It's like, right. you know, it's hard to believe a liar when you know they're a liar, especially when you're the liar. <laughs> So I yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. Say what you're saying. I've always, I don't know why. I've always had this belief in myself since I was a little kid. I don't know why. I really don't know where. It, maybe it's probably from my mom because my mom was just so uh, supportive and believed in me. So I kind of feel like I naturally had that thing. So maybe it's not as you know. Well, as, it's it's like I said. I mean, it, we, the conversation is always nature versus nurture. Right. You know what I mean? And the truth of the matter is, is that what what I'm saying is, is that nurture is at least a significant part of it, and that your mom harboring that in you probably right. because again, the primary group informs the individual. And so if you're what you tell yourself is based first and foremost on those that originally started speaking to you, then inevitably you're going to have that bedrock. And similarly, I'm like you. My mom also did very empowering kinds of childhood development stuff. Mm -hmm. But I know there are a lot of people out there listening to this that didn't have that. Right. And so again, yeah, yeah, for those people, you know, I think it's it's vastly important that they create that. It's not about finding it. This is the trick. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to find that in myself. There's nothing to find. It's already there. You have to create that within yourself. You have to harbor that. You have to grow that. You know, mm -hmm. there's garden there in your mind and whatever you water will grow. Right. You know, and whatever you take water and food and sustenance away from will die. And it's that simple. So yeah, whatever I, again, I, I feel bad because I hear, you know, I feel the same as you. I feel like I've got that, that feeling in myself and I don't have to work for no, that. I just had you a know? total weird deja vu. Did you? I wonder if we talked about this before. Oh, that was really weird. I'm sorry. That's uh, no, so that's weird. good. Deja vu is a super <laughs> powerful thing. I had one the other night, and and well, right at the end of realizing I had it, I realized that I was creating it while I was yeah, having that's it. That's probably it what happens. Weird, it's a weird thing. <laughs> I wanted to add to your uh, uh, little thing there. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what were we just talking about, though? We're talking about people that don't have that that uh, oh. confidence themselves as a result of their nurture right. aspect. The nature nurture right. argument. I was just going to reiter reiterate what you were saying by by putting it in a way that is what you focus on is what you manifest. You know, indeed, what the where you put your focus is where you're going to see results. If you're focusing constantly on your anxiety or uh, you know your feelings of doubt, that's your you know you're probably not going to grow much. And you know if you put it towards, well, you're going to grow something already. Yeah, you're yeah. Just <laughs> more anxiety and doubt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I I'm totally in agreement with you there. So, um, 
uh, let's see what other 35 minute mark. Yes. And I told you that we were going to have a sound effect interlude. So here we go. Oh no. That wasn't me by the way. Okay. Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, I would say another important thing about, um, uh, yeah. marketing your work is really to, uh, and I know we, I think we probably talked about this before, but building client relationships, um, yes, yes, yes. and keeping, you know, one thing that's really important too, when you start selling, keep track of who's buying your work. I don't think I mentioned this before, but man, oh, no, if I would have kept track of all the addresses of people that I sent artwork to in like 2002, I would have a huge mailing list, but I didn't even, I wasn't clued into this, you know? Um, right now I, I have, when I, um, someone buy something in my store, I've got, you know, I've got the last, since I started that, my big cartel shop, I've got everybody's name and address in there. If I ever want to do like a direct mailing or something and off an offer, but you got to keep track of these people. These are the people that went to all the trouble to buy stuff from you. And if you just sell to them once and forget about them, you know, what are the, they're, why would they be there for you again? They might, sure. they might, you know, they might come back on their own, but they might not. They might come back and buy 10 times as much stuff. If you show them a little recognition and, and, and offer them maybe, a uh, uh, you know, a some kind of discount or even just acknowledge that, you know, your appreciation for them purchasing your work and build a, a relationship. Cause you know, this is building relationships with people. And, right. you know, you're giving them something. It's a great thing, really. It's like you're giving well, them. Well, it's like you said, money is energy. So it's your, it's an exchange of energy. Right, right. Know? And you're giving them the artwork and they're giving you something to survive on. And it's a beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not like, you know, it's not like uh, bad at all. And, and right. I, I do know we talked about this before with the whole money issue, but it's not, right. there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good thing. It's a good well, thing. And you know, Everyone's getting my, a good feeling from it. Everybody's doing something. To, you're doing something to help each other. You're giving some enrichment to each other. Well, here's a story you've never heard. I know you haven't. Okay. One of my favorite stories from the Chetzar I Like to Paint Monsters production era was when Bobby Jones flew me out to meet up with him and film him for the documentary and take me out to his place, met his daughter. Great time. Awesome dude. Love Bobby Jones. Yeah, Bobby's great. And... And, and I will say, you know, he his his brother died recently, Elvis, Elvis Jones, who was a really awesome guy. And so, a little shout out to Elvis out yeah. in the ethers. He was a really cool dude, and he's the guy that introduced Bobby to me, who's become a collector and a cool, good friend and a great guy. So, uh, thank you, Elvis, and I know you're you're doing well now. So, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you took the, the chance to memorialize it. Yeah, Bobby Jones, I met through Chet, of course, because of all this. And he is one of the most authentic, real people I've ever met in my yeah. entire life. And, and that's hilarious. Basically, you couldn't describe him any better than that. Yeah, and hilarious. hilarious. He's so funny. <laughs> he's just he's such a good he's such good people. So yeah. anyway, he flew me out to film him for the documentary. And while we were at his house, he was showing me his collection. I was filming his collection of your work. And his prized piece was a drawing, okay, 
Yeah. And the reason was because that drawing was a gift that was an additional thing that had been put in with one of his original purchases that he had like scraped. I think it was like he had scraped together like 500 bucks to buy something from you. And that was a big deal, right. you know, and you had thrown in this extra drawing just because, you yeah. know, that, that's what that that is what you're talking about to these people. So, that, I'm, that's, you know, that, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent. And, and he was like and literally still to this day, or at least that was in 2014 or or whatever he was like his he's got these oil paintings of yours that are like on the wall that are huge his prized piece is this sketch that was like a little special freebie and he was like and it's in the film actually people in case you're curious it is in the film because i wanted to pay homage to that because that's huge you know yeah but i guess the point is is that that right there exemplifies the power of what chet's talking about and there's an example that chet i don't think you knew that story i, don't I didn't that. Yeah, i don't i didn't and you know that's funny because i used to do that when i i you know when you're starting out you're not getting a ton of orders and mm -hmm. and i used to write a little handwritten notes and thanking people and and put a, just a little doodle on a piece of paper and uh i can't do that now i've it's gotten p past that point just well not, and that it's and maybe, not possible it, yeah and maybe that's that's an important thing to realize too in all of this you know that came up organically but you know, you're going to get to a stage and I'm not to that stage. So I'm talking, I'm, you know, I'm at the, I'm at a much lower level when, with all of this stuff than Chet is, I might be able to hustle a Kickstarter and get people their rewards and make a cool project happen, but I'm not selling big pieces. One of the things you got to remember is, is that like Chet just said, you may get to a stage, you will get to a stage if you do it right, mm -hmm. where things change, the dynamic, the paradigm, it shifts because now you're not able to integrate in the same way you were, but that doesn't mean you can't find ways to co-op that same sentiment in new ways, you know right, what I right. mean? And still continue to cater to people and still be able to create that connection. So again, it, it requires of you to be adaptable and right. flexible, flexible under these severe changing yeah. circumstances sure. and really reliant, very self-reliant on what it is that you are, are having faith in, which is the work that you're producing. And it's a scary game. It's a teeter-totter, you know? Well, I, th I think that probably is true for any business as well, you know, to oh, stay, yeah. stay flexible okay. and adaptable. Um, you know, I think that's a, this brings up a good point about, I can't do that. Like I said, I can't do that now. Um, I can't afford to do that now because there's too many orders for me to, uh, to do that. But, you know, we put, we get, uh, and this is just a little thing we do. Um, and it doesn't happen with every order, but, but when we can, we have a box of, you know, weird messed up castings we keep or, uh, uh, like Halloween toys, if we find if yeah, my yeah. wife finds them at the dollar store, rubber spiders and stuff, we throw those in there for fun, and it's just you know as a little, a little hello and and you know something to make it a little special and and I don't know how many people have told me, man, you scared the shit out of me when I opened that box and there was <laughs> a, a giant too. rubber cockroach in there, which I've is heard that too. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's just a little something extra and sh showing the appreciation, and um, you know this the this. $50 sketch sale I just had is a good example, yeah, that's which ridiculous. is, you know, it was, um, just, I thought it would be a cool, it was completely off the top of my head. I thought it would be a nice thing to do for fans to be able to own something original. It would be a way for me to make a little bit of money to cover my bills. And I just threw it up there on Memorial day weekend and it just completely blew up. And, you know, now I'm, it's going to take me another month to get them all done. But 
it's going to allow all these people to own original works. So it's like, you know, it was such a good, it, okay. Like I was, I, I seriously, I tried to, this is, this is me right here, the critic. And, the, and you guys recognize this balance here. I tried to talk him <laughs> out of this idea because those are like $250 sketches. Now I mean a miser. Totally. Right. He does this for his people. And this is a good example of it. You know, is that like literally for all of you out there that bought a sketch, you have a $250 piece <laughs> either in your hands or coming to you sometime soon that you got for 50 bucks. Like, dude, that's, that's, what he did is that's putting his money where his mouth is. He's like, I will literally take 300 hours and do this. And it's because, yeah, I want to make some money, but there's a lot of way, ways to make right. money. Yeah. That's a, that's a workhorse move, you know, and that is for his people. And that's huge. I, I can't say I'd do it. I really can't. If I was in his position, which I'm not, but if I was, I don't know that I would do it. Well, it, it was well, it's a big for one, deal. It's a big deal. Well, for one thing, I didn't know it was going to go that that big, <laughs> but <laughs> but I was willing to take that chance. I honestly didn't think it would go that big, but um, it 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 was it just it just it was intuitive. It was like I know it. That's the thing. It's like that's like I was saying. I do my analysis. I know my fan base now, um, and so I I I'm able to know what they might want more than I used to. And so I kind of tailor things yeah, to that. Yeah. And also, like I said, it was, you know, I thought it would be cool to give them, to give them that as a little gift. And it, it ended up being a, a big gift to me too, because I made a good chunk of money from it. And so well, and that, everybody's and honestly, a gift to me because it, it, honestly, if it weren't for that, we couldn't have had our dystopia meeting, which was right, like right. we needed to have. Right, and right. so you were able to pay for that. So again, think about this, people. Here's the trail. Think about this. Because you guys bought these sketches and got this amazing value, not only was Chet able to pay his bills, but we were able to fund a trip for me to come out and for us to do the final things we needed to do to get the dystopia field guide done and also have a great time together. So it's like – the, the far-reaching implications of this whole entire dynamic of being able to not only empower yourself and fulfill yourself in such a way as to generate your own income from your creative endeavors, but furthermore, to allow other people's into that journey with you. It's right. huge. It's it's really it's it's a profound thing and it's a big shift in the paradigm of our world right now. You could be a part of it. You yeah. are a part of it if you're listening to this, in fact. Yeah. And that's I mean, and that's what social media is really all about is the uh the connection, you know, the the uh, the the connection with your 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 people, you know, your tribe or whatever, and uh, and that can be a you know could be a mutually beneficial thing for for everybody. Really, it doesn't have to be this you know hawkish kind of I'm going to you know squeeze you you know trick you manipulate you into buying something and squeeze you for all your worth without you know any regard for what you're getting. It's like I care about everything that goes out and that everyone's satisfied, you know, Boy, I, does he care guys? I'll I, tell you yeah, what, I spent, working, working with Chet is, is difficult because of how much he cares. <laughs> he is a quality control fucking freak. Well, I'll tell I, you what. <laughs> I want to make sure, you know, I know I've, I came up from nothing, man. I, I came up with, I didn't have any money behind me. I, I made my money on my own since I started working, you know, I had the support of my parents and when I was, you know, 19 or 18 or whatever it is, I moved out. I got a job in the film industry and, you know, I had raised a family and I know, you know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So I know the value of a dollar. So it really is important for me that people feel like they're getting their money's worth just because it's, I know. it's the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. But, you know, it's also the smart thing to do because, you know, people appreciate that you're thinking about well, them let's in that just, way. Let's capture what you just said. 
the right thing to do is always the smart thing to do. Right, yeah. Seriously, the, guys, just let that ring for a minute in your minds. The right <laughs> thing to do is always the smart thing to do. Yes, it is. Words, words from the master here because I'm telling you, I have, I have experienced profound changes in my life as a result of co-opting the things that I have observed that he does and modeling those in my own signature way because I am my own signature individual just as you all are too. You know? But the thing is is that I could just be – I could have made a documentary about you and been your friend, but I could have just – observed very kind of clinically what right. it is that you've done and you do. And that would be one thing. But instead what I've done is I've seen what you're doing and, and seen the potentiality of it and then find a way to co-opt it so that I can benefit similarly. And I see the benefits, you know, that are abounding in my life on a regular basis as a result of it. So I, I'm here to attest to the power of what it is that he's talking about doing, you know, really for each and every one of you that are out there listening. Well, thank you. Don't just I, talk about it. Don't just think about it. Do it. Yes. And, and I, you know, I, I think the, the big overall theme of this podcast is, you know, stay out of the way of yourself in order to do what needs to be done. The, the information is out there. Now, you don't have to go. I mean, school is great. Art school is great. If you can afford it, do it. And education is always great. But I'm here to tell you with the art school thing, you could pay for the degree and have the degree, and then you could not ever use it for anything and build your whole entire career without it ever having amounted to anything other than right. knowledge yeah. that you could have got on your own. So, uh, again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I guess the point that I'm making is is whether you do it or you don't do it, they're all different avenues towards right. what it is that you're about to talk about. Yeah. Well, the point I was making was that if you have limited resources, all the information is there. It's all there, and most of it's for free. There's art marketing podcasts. There's videos on YouTube, how to paint. There, there's books. There's, there's pretty much everything out there if you have basic internet access. So, but, the, but the important point is you can have a great education. You can have all the money backing you, but if you are not willing to do what it takes because your ego is blocking the way, then you're not, you're not willing – you're not um, surrendering – to your art you're not surrendering to what you want your art career to be you have to be like okay i want this this is how it was for me as as always that's all i've got is i wanted i wanted to make a living from my art that was the bottom line that was the goal so i'm like i'll do whatever that takes and that took a bunch of stuff i didn't want to do but i did it because i knew that's what i had to do so it was going to art shows learning how to talk to people. Any any of you shy artists out there, I was the shyest and the worst talker, but I made myself do it. I you know, learned a little bit about marketing a business which I had no interest in um because I had to do it because, you know, I I was willing to go, you know, okay, screw what I want to do. What I really want to do deep inside is is be successful at this and make a living at it. So I'm going to do whatever that takes, you know. Sure. You were willing to forego your short-term goals right. in the face of your long-term right. goals, yeah, which again exactly. is that's something that you could co-opt in any any avenue of your life. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it goes for fear and everything else. It's like you got to be willing to, uh, uh, you know, put, put the uh, put your money where your mouth is when it comes down to it. If you're not willing to, then. You're, you know, you're what you're doing is you're saying, I want this goal, but I want this. Um, I want you're basically telling the universe, I want this kind of life, but I'm not willing to 
you have to do it on my terms, which is a total ego trip. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Right. Yes. Is, so it's 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 just not it's not the way to do it. Yeah, I mean the thing is, if the universe, you know, we all know how big the universe is, and and that we're just as you know, very insignificant and small counterpart of it, you know. It, the likelihood of it doing anything you want versus you doing what it wants. <laughs> right. There's, it's a pretty heavy swing. Like I put it at 99.9.01. Right, really. right. So it's like you could flail all you want. You really can. And Chet, you know, Chet had a really good point for me the other day. I asked him, I said, I, we were, in, we were hanging out together and I said, I said, you know, why is it that I, I, I have to strive so hard to achieve? And he's like, well, you like to play the game that way. <laughs> you know, and it really, no, it really rang and it rings true. And the thing is, is I'm willing to be naked in that way because, you know, I realized when he said that, you know, of course it is true. It's like, if I didn't like to play the game that way, I wouldn't play the game that way. Right. I mean, I'm the, I'm the director of the movie. It's my movie. No one else directs my movie. I direct my movie. So here I am directing my movie. And I like, I like to play that play that role obviously because that's what i'm fucking doing and here's the thing is that the minute you realize that's what you're doing you know you realize also there's this space where you can choose to not do that right and this this not doing thing is a big part of it you know and i i think that again i was going to ask you i was going to say well chet what would you say to these people that's practical in so far as staying out of their own way doing all of this but what i would say before i ask you that question is that the most important thing i i remind myself on a daily basis not only on a daily basis but i would even and say like every half an hour almost <laughs> is that you know not doing is effortless which is to say that when you spend all your time doing and controlling and trying right. to manage controlling and, i think and, is the operative word yeah the control is the operative word i agree and the reason that we do that is really out of fear right yep. because if we don't have enough if we we're afraid to not have enough then we have to try to manipulate things to get what we want but the thing is is that when you realize to whatever degree that you know if you don't do that behavior, which seems like somehow it's actually going to lead you to what it is that you want, just not doing whatever it is right. that you've been doing will simply unlock that entire problem and it will start to unfold in a very beneficial way. So I would remind myself and I would remind each and every one of you that as you're moving through your lives and the fear, which it will on a regular basis come tumbling in, and the minute you feel any fear, however you feel it, fear is like, Am I being threatened? Is my life threatened? Okay, if your life's not threatened, then it's your ego, period. Right. It's so, that's the cheese right down the middle. It's right there, right? Right. Okay. If your life is not threatened, then it's your ego. And if it's your ego and you're afraid, then it's okay. Just don't do the thing you would normally do. That's yep. it. Yeah. There's nothing more to it. It's not yeah. about doing anything. Just don't do the thing you would normally do. Right, right. That's yeah, and that's if you're uh, – you, know, you will find that uh, I think if you – allow yourself to just be in that way without trying to control everything that you will uh you'll rise to the occasion you know there's a part of you that knows what's right and knows what's best for you but that knows what you need to do to make this happen for you and if and you just kind of need to get away get uh you know, get out of your own way, basically. Sure, and, sure. And, and that's, think, what, that's why I was asking you what you would say would be maybe potentially practical insofar as saying getting out of your own way. Because we all know the cliche slogan, what it is to say to get out of your own way. And each person has their own idea of right, that. Right. But is there a way that you would say, you know, you use within yourself, like what I just initiated in conversation, that actually helps you to get out of your own way? Well, I would say the the 
the main thing to do to get out of your way is to slow down and relax and try and stay present in the present moment because you you know that's the way to make decisions that's the way to get that inner feeling to know if you're making the the right decision rather than a decision based on fear or some kind of ego issue it's you know i always say you should live your life the way they say that you should trip which is relax into it if you start feeling afraid the more you grasp and try and control it to make it not scary the more scary it's going to get that's the way the ego works when you feel the fear you relax into the fear just relax it's all about relaxing and taking it slow and being present you know that that's i feel like i did this with you know i'm just gonna talk about the episode we recorded that we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna sure, show sure, go ahead. Yeah. because we recorded uh, it was actually it would have been a really funny episode and a good episode but i because it involved some other people that i had to mention by name i just i wasn't feeling right about it it just didn't sit well with me and so you know I I could have immediately said, no, we're not doing it. But I wasn't sure why I felt that way. I was thinking that maybe I was afraid or maybe I was afraid of getting sued or maybe I was afraid of offending someone or blah, 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 blah. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take a couple of days and relax and not try not to worry about it and sort of try and find the, you know, the, the inner energy all-knowing part of me the real part of me that the the, mm-hmm. the the real you and the, the god self or whatever and 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 uh find out you know because if it's if it was something that was a fear thing i would have said let's post post the post he would have that's one of the things that i can attest to chat and he's helped me a lot with within myself and is that he is willing he's very self-effacing like he, he's willing to say oh okay yeah this is because I'm afraid of it. So I'm willing to actually do it. Even if it's super scary, I'm willing to do it, you know, and that's a hard line truth to find with yourself, you know, really. And Mm -hmm. that is a part of all of this, I think. Yeah. So I I gave myself a little bit of time and, and it, and it just became obvious to me that, oh, I didn't, I don't want to do this because I don't feel good about taking some personal information and putting it out to the world. I don't think that it's it just didn't feel like the well, right. you know what you said to me honestly and this is like even this is biblical straight up is like do unto others as right. you would have to yeah, them I, do unto you and yeah. you didn't say those words right. but that was what rung in my head when you said what you said which is like i wouldn't want someone else to do that to me right. which to me is again do unto others as you would <laughs> have them it, it do was unto it was exactly that so i that's that's the bottom line and and at first i i was you know confused because you know the ego is always confused and, um, yeah, right. Uh, you know, so I was, I thought, well, okay, I don't know what the right thing is right now. I felt like, oh, Mike put, spent an hour or whatever. I took time out of his day to do this thing. And now, you know, I had a lot of conflicting ideas about it until I finally was able to settle in, give myself time and relax and just try and be present to get to what was really bothering me. And, and then I, and then at that point I, w- I was able to say, okay, I don't want to post this, um, because, because now I know why, and, and I think that it's that's the right thing to do, you know. Sure. So, so sure. I gave myself time, and uh, you know. So I I think the real thing is to relax, and and meditation can help with this, but really staying present and relaxing is is yeah, key yeah. to not have this cluttered craziness and not knowing what's up or down, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there, you know, and again, a lot of that is is based in this kind of poverty consciousness, and it's hard to have a an abundance consciousness. Oh, man. When I totally grew up with a poverty consciousness. I can't con- even yeah, tell you, but when it, you you know what it's like. It's Absolutely. like it, it it's hard to not 
fall into that particular, you know, niche because we, we all know that niche so well. Yeah. But, and so again, it's like a lot of the words fall flat, but it's true because, you know, again, I've observed it in you. I've, I've observed it in myself and it really comes back down to again, how we talk, how we think, how mindful we are of the present moment, you know, and how much we're able to really just abandon ourselves to what it is that we're currently engaged in. I mean, right. that's one of the things that I always find myself, you know, kind of not marshalling myself as much as just kind of letting go. And and I think what Chet is saying more than anything is that letting go is what opens up the, the flower of abundance. Mm-hmm. And what happens is ultimately is that as you find these moments and we kind of like, I think we gather them throughout our lives, a cumulative process, you know, these, maybe they're just a millisecond and then maybe there's a five second here and shit, maybe we land like a two hour here. You know, yeah. crap, right? <laughs> but it's like, yeah, we're like filling this vessel, you know? And I think that the, that's the, the important thing to remember. Because when you have that sensation of here-ness and now-ness, there is this sense of kind of infinite abundance. And that really is the natural state of things. Absolutely. And if you can tap into that, you can, you know, there are amazing things begin to happen. And it's not as a result of your manipulations and your control. Right. Rather, it's it's more of, of the way in which you're channel, channeling, rather, the natural, God, <laughs> channeling the natural flow of energy that is actually, you are already enmeshed in and you were a part of. Yeah. You know, going with the flow. Recognizing you know? that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that all of those cliches ring true. It's this this kind of path of least resistance type perspective, you know. But again, I think that you know there's a reason why there's a bridge to that here and that's because dark art the dark art society, right? Hmm. All of that ultimately boils down to what you said to me the other day, which is that when you look at something that's visually arresting, right? And right. it grabs your attention and it snaps you out of everything that you preconceive. You have this moment of nakedness and you're looking at this thing and you feel like, oh my goodness. And there's this second there, there's this power, there's that there's this moment there where you're looking at something that makes you uncomfortable for and you don't know why. Right. You know, that's the power, see? That's the moment. And and the thing is is that the more you really start to look at that, the more it, it demystifies itself in front of your eyes and those fears really that seem so paramount, these mountains. They become molehills, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a, it is an amazing uh, weight that is unlifted, and uh, you know, and and I think you are, you are then able to really channel more thoroughly the power that you have available to you into the creative work because it's like you said before, you know, we worship this God that is art, and so how can we do that with pure intent? How can we do our little signature part in this great whole that is this thing that we're all a part of? You know, right? And I, and I and uh, you know, I know we're getting esoteric here, but this really does come into the marketing aspect of things because, you know, it's it, you know, God or the universe or your higher self, whatever you want to call it. It wants what's best for you. It wants you to succeed. It wants you to be happy. It wants you to be joyful. It wants you to love. So it it naturally goes that way. That's the way the flow naturally is. That's what I mean by kind of stepping out. You know, we're both talking about stepping out, uh, getting out of your own way. It's like once you stop the thing that the only thing that stops that is this grasping is this manipulation is this control and i think it kind of uh you know the mar- it, it ties into the marketing thing because you know i really believe i really believe this i i know this is true that you know everything already deep down in mm-hmm. your whatever you know everything 
in your God self or whatever you want to call it. But that applies to every aspect. It's not just about art. You know, it's like it, like I said, it wants you to succeed. It wants you to market properly. You know what I mean? It It wants you to be the best at your craft. Right. And you know, like I said before, I, I feel like, like a whole person now, now that I've gone into this endeavor and, and decided to like leave the film industry behind and, and do this fine art thing, because that's who I was. I feel like it's completed me. And, and, and it's, it's because I'm always learning. Now I had to learn marketing. I had to learn, uh, social media, proper usage. I had to learn how to talk to people, all these things, you know, th- th- they make you a more whole person. And I, and I feel like it really, the experience has has made me more me than I've ever been in my life, and and all this other stuff has come from it, like these quotes and stuff, like doing these wacky one line clever clo- quotes or whatever on <laughs> Facebook. It's like that totally came out as a little side note, just as a goof, and it's like they're pretty cool. A lot of them are re- really kind of funny and clever, and it's like yeah. I would have never thought of myself in that way as doing something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Or well, you know, dude, shit, I would have never. I mean, dude, in 2010 when I first got on Facebook for the, you know, the first time ever, I never would have even thought that I would like sit in front of a camera and like talk over <laughs> the internet to a person. Like my ego was so like distraught and dysfunctional and fucked up that it was like it had me like tied down in this like maximum security prison of paranoia. Right. And there was like no way that it was like no quarter, you know. So like you said, the ways in which you open, you know, and again, it's like these are very basic constructs. You can contract or you can expand, right, you know. Right. But again, it isn't so much that you're continually expanding as as much as you contract and then you expand and then you contract and you expand. Well, what's your heart doing all day long? Everything around you is a fractal. Everything around you is reflecting back to you what it is that is the nature that is self-evident, right? So again, you will contract. But remember then to expand. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then when you contract, remember then to expand. Repeat ad yeah, nauseum. Right. Yeah, remember to relax. So yep. And Chet helped me out with that the other day, and I'll just tell you guys this much. I had an intense experience with Chet, and I remember it. I can hear now in my head him saying, it's all good, just relax. Just relax. Just relax. And it works. And it was really it did work. It does work. You can say it to yourself. I yeah. was saying it to myself at the same time. But yeah. <laughs> So it's good. The thing is, is that, you know, really what will kill you, what will make you diseased, what will fuck you up and make your life miserable is the worry and the control and the manipulation and the fear. And the thing is, is that at the end of it, you're going to get the same thing anyone else who's enlightened is going to get. So it doesn't matter how you do it. It's like Bill Hicks says, it's just a ride. It's all good. It's just a ride. Remember that. But the thing is, is that you're going to get the same thing. You're going to realize you're already you and it was all all already happening and it was an illusion and a dream and it's fine. But you could do so much more with this incredible adventurous ride yeah. in front of you. You know, that's the thing. You could look at it like a burden and you could feel to yourself as you approach all of this, like, oh, my God, this incredible weight I have to carry. I'm so entitled. How could I possibly do this? It's so unfair. Right. <laughs> you could. That's that's going to be the ego game. But the thing is, is that you could also approach it like. I am an 
adventurer in this amazing and awesome world of suffering and love. And you can experience all of that and you can have that. And that is incredible. And if you roll with it, you are going to expand in ways you never knew you would. And that is the mystery. So why not be the grand adventurer in this incredible movie that is your life as opposed to, you know, the pawn that's being pushed around by the angry queen. Right. I think we should end it on that note because that was a fabulous ending. And it's Thanks. already one oh six. And we were we were, you were gonna talk about Kickstarter, but let's save that maybe for a Kickstarter episode or sure. art marketing so part three or something. I would like to say one more thing though, and this is uh, since we are talking about dark art marketing, and I'm not gonna say too much, but I'm gonna say just a little bit. I am my, my company, Energy Creations Incorporated, is going to unleash a new amazing game. And Chet is helping me with this game. And it's all based in what we've been talking about, which is opening and expanding to what it is that's already there for you. You know, there's this tree and there's fruit and the fruit is there for the picking. And I picked a, a particular piece of fruit and we're collaborating all of us on this game and i will say no more than this game uh but it, we're going to kickstart it and so stay tuned for more information about the game and for those of you that like my daily quotes on social media it does dovetail off of that which i've already mentioned in a, kind of a sideways secret note on social media so i just want to throw that out to y'all yes it's cool too i, I i'm totally into it so i'm excited for mike to be doing a kickstarter like that yeah product release which is brand new because we've always done you know a project production as opposed to a product release so it'll be a fun a fun thing right. a whole new expansion there you <laughs> go. a new experience so just relax all right thank you that i appreciate that this has been a fun one no sweat about the other one and i'm always willing to roll with you all right well i appreciate you making the time today and thank you all for listening and i hope you enjoy this and uh, as we always say please rate review and spread the word if you can and go to chetzar.bigcartel.com and buy something if you want to help support the podcast or check out the art or whatever and uh that's it for today yeah. Yo, we'll catch right. you next week see you later